The annual medical education conference has been the cornerstone event of the SNMA. Last year, we held our first virtual AMEC with more than 1,500 participants. This year, we plan to bring you more engaging workshops, plenary sessions, social and networking opportunities to meet one-on-one with your peers, and attend the interactive exhibit fair with pre-med and professional representatives from across the medical education continuum. With tracks for medical students, pre-medical students, and fourth years and beyond, you don't want to miss this year's conference. Visit the AMEC page on snma.org for more information. Welcome to the Black History Month episode of SNMA Presents The Lounge. Whether you're in the student lounge, doctor's lounge, or you're just lounging around at home, get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. I'm student doctor Isabella, and one month isn't long enough because there are so many Black, underappreciated heroes that we need to really give credit to. And I feel like a month just doesn't, it just doesn't cut it. I mean, especially if you think about the extent um, of America and how great this nation is. And a lot of that is due to the amount of Black heroes that we have. So I think if anything, it should be all day, every day, 365 days a week, Mm 24-7. This your boy, student Dr. Aldwin. And one month isn't long enough because we need it every day. We need Black empowerment, Black love, Black unity, Black connection, collaboration each and every day. Every day we walk out the door, every day we on the block, every day we in school, we show compassion for each, for each other and work toward the common goal of building our communities for a safe haven for our future, for our progeny, and creating something that's everlasting that the world has never seen before. What's up, everybody? This is student Dr. Erica Dingle. And one month of Black history is not long enough because, I mean, I've been Black all my life. That's why. Like, that's that's enough Period. of a reason. But every, <laughs> everything tied to me is Black excellence, Black culture. It's just dripping with Blackness, melanin. And we Ooh. have done so much for society and humanity I mean, we're not even going to talk about from the establishment of the United States and how we built this country, but we have been incorporated into the thread of this world for centuries upon centuries. And that's why we deserve more than a month. And honestly, if we were treated better as a people, maybe we'd feel like you could give us six months, but now we want the whole year. I'm saying All, all year, every year. So what about our... Um, let, let's think about it for black history month, right? When we were in school coming up elementary school, I can remember having maybe a day where we all got to present like, okay, this is the doctor that I choose, or this is the person that I choose like George Washington Carver. And he created this and we only got one day. So who are some of your unappreciated historical people in black history. 
Well, honestly, I think that for me, um, at least if I had to pick one person right now, um, I'm actually at my med school, we like have different houses, like that kind of just helps to separate the student body, I guess, and just create more like a social aspect to getting to know your classmates. And so I'm actually in the well, I think like one of the one, I don't know if it's one or two houses, but I think it's mainly one. That's my house, um, the Helen O. Dickens house. And she actually um, worked at Penn. She was a black uh, female OBGYN. And she's m- mainly known for being the first African-American woman admitted to the American College of Surgeons. So she has that fee. And so kind of just knowing that I'm in her house and like, you know, I get to I guess be a representation of that and of what she's done and attributed to the face of medicine, I think is really special. So I'm going to shout out Dr. Helen O. Dickens, because I'm pretty sure there's not that many people who know who she is, but she is one of the few unsung black heroes who's out here doing the work. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say Dr. Mae Jemison. I've always had a fascination with space and for her, with her being the first black slash African-American woman to go to space. She right. spent eight days on the International Space Station and flew on the Endeavor. And you look at where she came from, from Decatur, Alabama, you know, very humble beginnings and worked her way up all the way to get her bachelor's of science in uh, chemical engineering, and then as well as a bachelor's of arts in African and African-American studies. Right. And then went to medical school at Cornell and has done some tremendous things in, uh, you know, increasing my, the amount of minorities in the STEM fields and advocating for minorities to engage in different arenas to change our communities. You know, she's been part of countless nonprofits and been very active in, in, in the social world. And so for me, just being able to combine that, because at one point when I was growing up, I wanted to be an actual NASA physician, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And see that come to fruition and see that she was a physician and made an impact in amongst countless people around the world in such a very, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, tremendous time in the early nineties. I think that's, that says a lot about what she's done and where she's going. Right. I love those. So I, I selected, um, a doctor who is in, or was in the field of cardiology. And I was inspired to do so because I have friends that want to go into like, uh, cardiothoracic surgery, and I really don't see a presence of, or a, a huge presence of Black men and women in that field. Um, so right. I was inspired. Um, Dr. Myra Adele Logan, and she was a native of Tuskegee, Alabama. Mm. She was the first Black woman uh, to perform open heart surgery. And wow. according to the American um, Heart Association, it was the, I think reportedly, it, no, not think, it was reportedly the ninth time the procedure had been done worldwide. And uh, she was also a founding partner for one of the first physicians group practices in Harlem, at Harlem Hospital in New York. So I definitely had to shout that out because in New York, that's my home. And she mm-hmm. ended up passing away in 19, uh, 1977, excuse me. But yeah, I think that's dope for women who are interested. I Like I said, I have friends that are interested in that spe- uh, specialty. So you can do it. It's been done. Keep pushing. Right. That's it. Period. Thanks. But I mean, <laughs> guys, like, I mean, just look at what's happened these recent past, these recent weeks. I mean, we lost a great 
black female pioneer, uh, Cecily Tyson. And I, you know, I, I think that it's just crazy because I always, she was one of those people that I always thought, you know, that would live forever. And Same. it's, yeah, it's just crazy that like, she you know, that she actually ended up just going and, and after all her legacy and everything that's come with that. Yeah. I just, I really wanted to, to shout her out, but I'm realizing that Erica, you didn't say the run the list part. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna circle back. Let's reset the room. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Clubhouse. Welcome to the Clubhouse edition of Lounge. We about to reset the room, all right? Here we go. Just want to welcome everybody to the stage real quick. Welcome all the moderators. You're going to get that green bean real quick. You know, let me get my moderators going. Uh, I got my moderator all to the left. I got my moderator Isabella to the right. <laughs> so on, <laughs> so this room we're going to talk about today in the lounge episode of Clubhouse, right? Or the Clubhouse episode of the lounge. So this is our run the list portion here. Running the list for our preclinical patients is when you are on the wards and you're addressing the pressing matters of the day. So what we're going to do right now on the stage, we're going to bring a couple of y'all up and we're going to discuss recent events in medicine that are affecting the communities and populations we serve. Some are pertaining directly to medicine, some not. So let's get into it, shall we? Yes, yes ma'am. And again, we did, you know, we really do want to give our give flowers to uh, Miss Cicely Tyson, who was a pioneer in so many ways. I um, I was impacted by her life. I remember doing a play in elementary school and I played the role of Cicely Tyson. I think it, <laughs> don't ask Aww. me why we were doing Sounder. <laughs> and I'm dating myself right now. But it was like an excerpt. I actually had to like learn lines, et cetera, et cetera. Also shout out to her because not only was she born in Harlem, New York, um, excuse me, Harlem, New York. She was also from, mm-hmm. uh, or her parents rather were from the Caribbean Island of Nevis where I spent two years of my life. So yes, shout yeah. out to her. But aside from that, she was just a mogul an amazing woman. And we just want to say thank you, Cicely Tyson, for paving the way for so many of us in so many fields, for giving us your beauty, your strength, your artistry. And right. we will remember you as the auntie that we all claimed you to be for us. Period. Rest in peace. Thank you, Ms. Tyson. Rest in peace. Now, on the flip side, we have, we got to give honor to, you know, Cicely Tyson, but we also got to realize that um there are some things occurring on the other spectrum with some of these celebrities that aren't the most positive and so let's also get into the situation with ti and tiny we know that there are some issues that happen with uh, sex trafficking um some hidden secrets i think that recently came to light in regards to uh was it that ti was involved with some sexual activity with other yeah. yeah i don't whoever wants to go into that please go into it because... mm-hmm. yeah so essentially that there's been over 30 women that have come come up and and uh, allege that ti and tiny have sexually abused them in some type of way 
Right. Um, and this has been on. Well, if you're from Atlanta, this is kind of thing, you know, T.I. and Tiny, they move in a certain way with their marriage in regards to their dealings with other women. Right. And women are coming out and, and stating that they have they have essentially taken advantage of them and they have utilized their their uh, own power and their position in culture to kind of take advantage of who these women are. And the ages vary. You know, there's been, you know, alleged uh, uh, reports that they've even engaged in acts with minors as well. So it's it's a lot of yeah, it's a lot of rough feathers. So so, are we? I don't. Yes, I'm going to say it. Are we surprised? I just feel like this is something (laughs) it's a a part of the rape culture that's established within hip hop culture. It just. It exists. We don't talk about it because we like being at the concerts pre-COVID yep. and rapping along with them. We like their brands. We, you know, we we like hip hop. So I think for the most part, we stand by them and just kind of sweep whatever else under mm-hmm. the rug. Right. Um, but my, my issue right now, and this is not to say that these women who have alleged what has ex- uh, which what has happened, excuse me, I slow down. What has happened, because I'm passionate about this, this is not to say that these women haven't experienced it, but there are those who are out here clout chasing. In fact, there have been women that on Instagram, they have been found out to be lying. They're just jumping on the bandwagon. And it's unfortunate for the women who have suffered from these acts, whether it's from a rapper or just somebody, a a family member. You know, this is something that occurs within the black community. We can't, I don't even think we can do it justice today, but it's something that has been occurring. We saw everything that went down with R. Kelly last year and in years prior uh, leading up to his arrest and you know incarceration so this is an issue it's an issue that we really need to look into to try to help i mean what what's what do we do i'm just i want to just stand by yeah i think that it's 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 to me it's like it's every single time there's another story coming out about some celebrity that we thought was you know mm-hmm just just standing by and doing celebrity stuff without doing all the craziness like we have the r kelly situation we have bill cosby and i don't know what it is where it's just these things get just thrown under the rug for so long and no one i guess cares to really investigate and really figure out what's going on and then you have people who look up to these individuals who end up now just kind of defacing not only their legacy but then how that person really interpreted who they were and I guess maybe are questioning, well, if that's the kind of person I was looking up to, then what does that, I guess, make me or, or what did I miss? You know, and it's hard, though, to say that because you don't really know anyone. Right. You can't really, especially when it comes to celebrities, you don't really know anyone. So it's like it's hard sometimes to really see yourself through these people. And you, you really have to just be mindful about, I guess, who you support and, you know, who you choose to endorse and all of these things. I think that's really important. Um, and I'm a little bit curious to really know kind of Tiny's role in it, low key, but maybe I don't know if that's something we want to get into. Too, but was she also involved with this or was just kind of like she knew about it and she just she kept quiet i don't really know what her role was in the situation i would love to know it i would love to know it i'll be honest mm-hmm. i don't know it but i would i would love to know because just like to your point isabella like r kelly had women in you know in that circle that were mm-hmm. assisting him it wasn't just his dudes on mm-hmm. um on tour with him so right. it's kind of like well who who else was in there with you 
right. shoot shooting in the gym if you right. will to get women on board. Um, but uh, anyway, we yeah. gotta do better, right? Black History Month. Let's encourage each other to do better as Black people and stop Period. this nonsense. Period. Moving forward. It don't matter how many big words you use, you know, how expeditiously you are. You know, we I think we have to band together as a community, no matter like as Erica mentioned, whether you're a celebrity, whether you're a family man, we have to combat these issues together and create a a, a forum to discourse and discuss these issues and bring an awareness. You know, Atlanta is number one in sex trafficking in the United States. And so it's very disheartening and um, very discouraging that if these alleged acts have happened, that it's happening actually in Atlanta because you're re-emphasizing some of the issues that plague our black community and our black women who we want to empower and we want we want them to win. We love you as a black man. I love black women. And every time I see these issues arise where another black man is using his own clout to, to build a case to take advantage of other women, it's just like tasteless and heartless. And so we, we have to stand together and right. we, we can't allow these issues to continue to um, evolve. Right. We appreciate you loving us, Black man. Yes, Thank you. very much Let's, you. Speaking of Black man, Black woman, Black love, Black dating, like <laughs> COVID is cuffing season. February 14th is around the corner. Can Ooh. you believe in New York City, uh, Governor Cuomo is opening indoor dining. February at 25 percent at, at 25%. So make your reservations, uh, people. Make, yeah, if you gotta make one, maybe you might be making 10 or 15, but ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if you're in the <laughs> Oh, we don't try to get messy now during Valentine's Day. We're not trying to get too messy, but I understand though because I hit a shorty up and I'm like, "Yo, let's go out for ah, uh, uh, like," and it's like it's outdoor dining. It's it's brick. Like I'm not sitting out there, and it's like, "Yo, you, you can you, definitely you know, find you know some. You can find some places with the the outdoor heaters. I have friends that are actively dating um, mm-hmm. because. <laughs> That's what my my DMs is on. <laughs> dry right now. Okay? So I'm, I'm I'm living vicariously through them. But no, let's talk. Let's talk for a second, Aldwin. So when right. we know we're in the coming season playoffs, right? We are yeah. in the championship round from actually the thirty first. So today until. Yeah. Let's see. I think February fourteenth, and that's when you're supposed to lock somebody down. Mm-hmm. So well, you know, where, where you at, Alwyn? Where I think I'm, I'm in a championship, but it's like I got I got a starting five, and then I got a bench. You know that I'm working Ooh. on two. The bench. I wasn't expecting to hear the bench. that's that's how. Not that's everyone's right. going to be at the top of the game, so you you gotta you gotta select who's who's the right person for the right time. Honestly, right. I, I agree. How about y'all though? Like, what, what, even though even though Erica was on her cough wave, that them DMs is coming, Shardy. I already know, man. They coming. I heard it. Bless be for the Lord Almighty when they come. I'll let you know because they they drop. When I tell you, it's the Sahara. Listen, tumbleweed. <laughs> Listen, but, but I'm focused on school. I'm focused on school. So right. That's what and- and that's the wave I'm on too, Erica. I'm just, it's the school for me. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's more so like, I'm, you know, we're all, I think most of us are open to whatever happens, right? Like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's like, you have to realize that things like that only come when you are fully focused on yourself, right? You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta know what you want and you have to know exactly 
where you stand as right like as as you are without anybody so if that means that you aren't currently you know ha- like Aldwin, you got the bench you got the the, the, the three-point shot i don't know what it is these basketball terms whatever <laughs> you got that means that you could be focused on just trying to secure your own uh slam dunk and then hopefully someone will come on the sidelines and help you out so that's the way that's i'm funny. on I bet y'all have DMs in your, I, on your IG. Give me your IG account login. I'm going to check. And also, I believe they don't got no DMs. Y'all, y'all, y'all actually got DMs. Wait. DMs from God oh. I don't want. So I, oh, wait, I am not giving you my IG login, fam. That is too invasive. Yeah, now we're doing too much. We're doing just a little bit too much now. You must be if we lying. But no, listen, with COVID happening, though, I have noticed an uptick in COVID babies and COVID weddings. People are out here True. like, you know what? Exactly. And I guess it makes sense because it doesn't take, it shouldn't take eight years for you to decide whether or not you want to marry somebody like it has been for so many of us lately i mean i can think back to like my parents and people well my parents were actually different let me take that back but i can think back (laughs) to other people's (laughs) parents that met within like six months they got married within a year but i think covid has really forced people to get married and just be together and start life together so i'm not mad at it i just hope people have not been choosing just because they, you know, it's like, oh, I'm lonely. I want somebody in my space. But what what are y'all thoughts? I mean, I think it's very interesting, you know, that there's been a lot of COVID weddings. I think what it is, is that a lot of people also seem to just have these prior relationships before I think COVID, you know, got to be thinking they were already in the, I guess, in the works of getting married. And I do also think that for some people also like COVID was an excuse for them to kind of just get on with it and just, you know, jump to the wedding part, just because it's like, we've had so many losses through this pandemic. We've had so much, you know, heartbreak and sadness and a lot of, you know, pretty like desolate stuff occur. And I think that people just want more happiness, more brightness in their life. And they don't want um, to only be thinking about that. And so now it's like, okay, well, I have this great relationship that I'm in, or maybe I found this great person either before the pandemic or during the pandemic. And I don't want to waste any time. I, anything could happen. You know, I could, you know, catch, someone could catch COVID tomorrow and what's going to happen. And it's just kind of like, I think people are just more focused on living in the present now and just being fully like appreciative of what they have versus just waiting. So I think that's why we've had so much like COVID weddings and COVID pregnancies and all these things. And yeah, I think that people just don't see the need to waste time anymore. I mean, look what we thought 2020 was going to be some great, you know, year filled with so much happiness just because of the fact that what is it, that it's a double number or whatever people were all types of theories, but ended up being a very, very hard year. So I think that people just don't want to waste time. People want to just, you know, get on with it and, and get to that happiness that they want. Yeah, I think with COVID, it also has emphasized in people with people in relationships, especially knowing that almost fifty percent of the U.S. population is working at home. Right. You're really rocking with the person mm-hmm. when you're at home with them because y'all around each other and right. it's forcing like, hey, I really love this person. Like, I have no other alternative but this person to be with right now, and right. Like, we're connected and bonded in such a special way that I want to move forward into marriage and move forward in my life. Uh, forever with this person or it could lead the other way and it's like nah shorty fall back like yo <laughs> rocks like I, or you could you we just we're not rocking with each other i'm sorry 
You know what I mean? So I think that with the, the pandemic, it has highlighted the importance of finding ourselves and also being in tune with our characteristics and how they mesh with other people. Because now it's kind of enforced that we are in a different state of mind, right? right. And as humans, we're very social creatures. And I think with COVID, that has challenged that framework where, we're, where we've prior to this been out, we've been able to go to concerts, we've been able to go to lounges, whatever the case may be. But now we're in a place where we're kind of contained and isolated in our own boxes. Right. All we have time to do is think, like just exactly. think and reflect and just like what's in front of me? What do I have? And I don't want to if do I want it to stay or do I want it to go? So I think that it's a huge wake up call for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only do we have time to think and reflect, we also have plenty of time to study. OK. And I think <laughs> to your point, <laughs> to your point, all with just it, both all and Isabella about when you when you actually get with somebody you want them to be there pretty much what you shooting in the gym and this process if if ever you find a medical student that is hesitant to go through in a relationship with you it's because we go through so many changes within our own designated programs whether it's testing tests being canceled for example okay this right we found out as a whole, that the step two CS has been canceled. Um, mm-hmm. According to MedPage today, the step two CS test of the uh, the USMLE, the United States Medical Licensing Examination, has been discontinued. And um, there was a postponement of this exam, I think from last May, due to the COVID pandemic, but now this test will be discontinued permanently. So, how much was so that test again? Can, can someone remind me how much that test was? The Comlex is $1,300, $1,295 on the, the Comlex level 2 PEN. Too expensive. Like, that's how much it was. That's oh, a whole change right. in, in New York City. That's one month right there. Like, bro, like, you gonna pay like that one month? Like, I gotta right. take the L month of rent in new york city for that exam go fly out to be seen on a camera to be seen on a screen to play doctor let's talk about it though right because i i'm not i've not reached the stage in my career mm-hmm. um within the program where i would have to take this but i do i i as a, a international medical student have concerns and i would love to hear everyone's outlook on or everyone's feelings thinking about the exams being eliminated i know aldwin you come from an osteopathic background which i'm not sure if they tapped into that yet with the nbmoe is it nbome my apologies yeah Yeah, but i would love to know your thoughts and then i'll share mine because i'm scared y'all and i'll tell you why so honestly like you know we we talked about weddings but i feel like a divorce is coming between me and the nbome honestly navigating they sent an email out a couple days ago like this test this test test for competence and blah 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 and then they kind of like navigated the route of kind of and trying to antagonize the md like route of canceling the step two cs and when i'm like oh like y'all see obviously like there's a movement there's a shift occurring the exam was meant to single out international medical graduates that they deemed weren't competent enough or couldn't speak English to the level that was necessary to be successful in residency 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And now Mm -hmm. y'all want to shift this whole framework and say, oh, the exam is meant to test for this and that 
for compassion, for professionalism and all that. We have to abide by those standards and protocols when we're in our third year of right. medical school. In our first and second year as well, when we're doing OSCEs and training to, you know, use a reflex hammer, training to talk to our patients. We do that. And our schools are critically focusing on focusing us on that so that when we get out there, our, their name is not tarnished. So we obviously have been able to, and prior to the 20, 25 years ago, the schools were doing that already and they didn't have any problems. So I don't know why they're trying to, well, I do know why, right? You got $1,300 and you have two over 2,000 students graduating from medical school every year uh, on the osteopathic side. And that's 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 bread. The president makes $660,000, the president of MBO and me. Man, mm-hmm. if you don't get your butt out of here with that, like you, <laughs> it's all a money game, honestly. It's it's in my opinion, like like in my opinion, it's really just all a money game. It's all just like ways for them to just get richer. It's they're not really evaluating anything at the end of the day with these exams. I mean, because people, as we can see, it's not that important if you're just willing to just cancel it just like that. And that's not the only test they've modified. They've modified step one. They made it pass fail. We know that, and that was probably right. one of the most like determining mm-hmm. exams for anyone who wants to become a doctor in regards to just choosing a residency path. So we know that it's it's not really about really evaluating anything, but just more so another way to separate people, separate uh, medical students, separate people who want to become doctors into these like imaginary boxes that really isn't necessary. Even if we want to talk about like pre-meds who are applying to medical school and how they have to even modify like the MCAT and like some, I think they right. were even requiring MCAT scores for some mm-hmm. people because of the way the pandemic just kind of came in like right during the thick of application season. So as there's just so many factors that I think that are pretty much really fabricated and they kind of make it seem as if, oh, this is necessary to know that you're going to become a competent physician when really it's just another way to just isolate people and, 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 and divide um, people who really do have their own personal and individual skills to become a great doctor, but they have to find ways to almost weed people out, f- for lack of a better right. term. Facts. Yeah, it, it, I'm I'm happy that there are so many people that are affected by this exam that, you know, now they don't have to take it. Great. But from an IMG standpoint, I attend a Caribbean medical school, so we fall under the standards of the E. Uh, CFMG. um, And according to the ECFMG, which is the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates, Mm -hmm. this exam was required in the past for Caribbean international medical students. And it used to be the qualifier in a sense, if you could kill this exam, Mm -hmm. you didn't have an issue, you know, getting a residency or even with step one, if you had a a score that was higher than that of a U.S. medical student, it right. was it would it would look better in a sense. So now I'm I'm a little fearful about my future, what it's gonna mean for right. myself and my my colleagues because going from a score to pass fail and now having the elimination of this exam, you know, it's kinda like it's never been done before. We've never had to see students attempt to apply to residency without scores. So right. yeah, I don't know. That's where I stand. I'm happy for everybody that's happy, but I'm a little nervous for myself. So right. I'm glad we had that discussion and we'll see how it moves forward. We will. And so we see- uh, yeah, sorry. Oh uh, no, I was going to say, so we see with the step two CS being terminated, that this is a first in many ways. Mm-hmm. Cancellation of a, an examination. Right. So many years, but now we got to understand 
and recognize and acknowledge that we have first in medicine that we don't necessarily know about. Why do you think there's a lack of seeing these first in medicine, especially in many of our medical schools? Oftentimes, even for myself in DO school, I don't even know the first black DO graduate from my medical school, but I will say that this is the hundredth year for the black first black DO to graduate from the main campus, the Pecan Philly campus. He graduated in 1921, Dr. Meta Christie. Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think that, yeah, we still have so many firsts to go. I still have yet to see my first black professor teach me a class and I just got here <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, and it's, it, it's a big transition for me coming from, you know, an HBCU from undergrad where literally almost every professor was black. And now I'm, you know, in this space where I'm, I'm trying to just scramble to find one black physician that I can like connect with and, and kind of maybe see myself in and whatever the case may be. But I think that we're still scrambling for these first because the reality is, is that we're, we're very poor on the numbers right now on black people just applying to medical school and maybe not even, let's just say applying, but actually following through with applying to medical school and actually getting into medical school because you know you there's so many people i know at least back at howard who were pre-med who fell off either due to financial reasons or due to you know academic reasons or just lack of mentorship lack of guidance and i think that you know it's very much a systematic issue in that black people just aren't encouraged or aren't given the resources necessary to get to that that place to eventually become a doctor and i think you know america's not really doing well with providing that support. I think that our white counterparts can say that they have much more support, much more guidance, much more mentorship, and we still have a long way to go with that. So I think that we we just, we just need more first just because we need more people who look like us getting to go through the entire application cycle to begin with. I agree. And shout out to uh, the SNMA for giving us exposure to firsts. Um, In fact, during their National Leadership Institute, we were blessed with the presence of Dr. Sonia Sloan, who is an orthopedic surgeon um, out in Houston, Texas. And she attended Baylor, Baylor College of Medicine, where she was the first Black female orthopedic residency, uh, orthopedic resident there. So, I mean, it, it sometimes it takes seeing a first to get you to your purpose. And I know she inspires so many. So shout out to SNMA as always for doing that for us. Period. And I, you know, and let me just really quick as an aside, I mean, let me not even act as if also they're just not talking about us too. I mean, there's probably so many black physicians out there doing a lot of great work and doing a lot of things and they're just not getting any credit. Um, And that's another point too. I mean, we know that a lot of black stories are hidden, thrown under the rug. They don't want people to know about what the work that we're doing. And so let's also cause, you know, call attention to that as well. That's on facts. That's our Black History Month episode. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Lounge. Let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had today by emailing us at podcast at snma.org. Be sure to follow the SNMA on social media to stay up to date on upcoming events, particularly AMEC is pulling up, you know, our annual medical education conference is love. I've had such tremendous experiences. I've met medical students all around the country. I've met attendings. I've met residents. And it's a way to empower, way to find yourself and navigate the niche of becoming a medical student or becoming a leader that you envision yourself to be. So, y'all make sure y'all check out AMEC. 
I went to a virtual conference last year too. And even then it was amazing. We had over 1500 people attend and I got to navigate learning about residencies. I got to learn about different aspects of medicine that you never thought about. I remember attending a lecture on how cannabis could be used to treat epilepsy. Like what? I never <laughs> thought that, oh, you never thought that we'd be on that wave, right? right. So make sure y'all, y'all tune in. Is from April 1st to April 4th. The deadline for early registration is pulling up. So y'all make sure y'all get your tickets now, now. And also, speaking of AMEC, we also got our elections packet extended to February 12th. So if you're interested in any national positions, you make sure you try to put your application in. Being a leader, as for myself, being the National Osteopathic Committee co-chair, has been a great experience being able to advocate for osteopathic medical students. But we have a plethora of positions available. So if you're interested in leadership, if you're interested in challenging yourself and being part of a greater goal in servicing the underserved and committing to all our medical students, please, please apply. You dig? 